They're caught up in the rights The Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down Until it really hurts Is this a sovereign nation? Or just a police state? You better look out, people. Yeah, you better. Before it gets too late. Yeah, we're doing exactly that. We are fighting back before it gets too late. And you know what? Some days we can celebrate some victories. And I think we've got one of those days today. Welcome to episode number 55 zero of stand and deliver i'm bob france the national communications director for citizens for free speech and i'm joined by patrick wood i'm the executive director and originally the founder if you can believe it all the way back in 2018 and we never ran out of anything to say and anything to do to defect uh, to to defend free speech and i'm bob i have a change in attitude today because for all of the kind of depressing things, you know, that we've been talking about, the the, 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 the screw down stories is, oh my gosh, where, <laughs> how, when's it going to stop? We have some better news, I think. You know, we we, we can kind of see the, the corner is being turned. And I don't know where this is going to go, but I, I feel slightly optimistic at this point that our efforts are finally really going to get some traction. And this is exciting. Yeah, it is. And I love that it's kind of coinciding with a uh, sort of a milestone number as far as our, our podcast goes. This is episode number 50. Yes. We're going to be really celebrating in two weeks when we have number 52 and complete our full, because we haven't missed a week, I don't think. This is 50 straight no. weeks. We've yes. gone through holidays. We've gone through vacation time. We have not missed an episode. So we're we're, we're going to be, obviously, in two weeks, we'll be at episode number 52. We'll celebrate one year completed. And then after that, of course, celebrating the start of our second year. And Patrick, you know what's funny is what you just said, we've never you know, run out of things to say and run out of things that we have to do to defend free speech since the founding of this uh, uh, very yeah. important uh, you know, organization in 2018. I wish we did. I think if... If we could run out of things to say, it would mean we are running out of attacks on the First Amendment, that the First Amendment is just thriving and humming along and Americans are taking advantage of that constitutional right. People are allowed to say what they want to say without being canceled and shut down and people are not being uh, targeted by the government or government agents or government partners in the private sector like you know the, the uh, uh, big tech companies or anything else. If they stopped it, we wouldn't have to defend it. And and that would be the day I would be happy to say we are now no longer going to need CFFS or no longer yeah. going to need stand and deliver because the attack on free speech has stopped. And, yes. and the sad reality is, of course, I don't think it ever will. There will always yeah. be a need for what we're doing. But I'll tell there you will. what, if we're being aspirational, wouldn't that be a hell of a thing? That'd be a, that'd be such a great day if we all knew that we were just going to be able to do what the founders intended for us to be able to do. It will. And I think what's what's happening right now, this this is what I feel. I, I'm, this is subjective. I realize that. What I feel like, I feel like all of a sudden the wind is starting to blow towards our back rather than in our face. And what that means is if the wind, if we get the wind in our sails, I, this is a sailing analogy, but when, when, a, when a sailboat sails downwind, a racing boat, and they throw up that big sail called a spinnaker, 
big, huge sail and it fills full of wind and man, that sailboat just takes off downwind like crazy. If we have the wind blowing at our back this year a little bit with what's going on, what we're going to be talking about today, this is the first time in a while that we can say that. And that means that we are going to be able to gain steam. Our members are going to be able to talk about free speech issues like never before. And people will listen to them now instead of just throwing it out. Oh, you conspiracy theory, not, oh, you, you alarmist you or whatever, you know, you know, people will begin to listen when we have the wind at our back, because, you know, in fact, we knew this all along. We do have the moral high ground on this whole thing. We always have. Of course we do because our, but now, our, our morality but comes from our, our morality comes from our belief yes. in freedom. How yes. can anybody dispute that that should be the number one concern really for all Americans that we are free? That's why this country was founded for crying out loud is because our freedoms were being taken away by the, yeah. the crown, the British crown. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we wanted to live and breathe free. So, uh, yes. yeah, we have the moral high ground if we are trying to protect freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of expression and the whole nine yards. So, Patrick, you're spot on. Yes, so let's indeed. let's start with a celebratory story for a moment. First, by reminding people, let me tee this up for you and you can tell the story uh, for for people who may have forgotten kind of the epicenter or the ground zero, if, zero, if you will, of the parents' rights and parents' ability to speak out on behalf and in defense of their children is Loudoun County, Virginia. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only place. It's just the, the place that was kind of the epicenter. It really got the most attention. And that's because that was the place where uh, uh, parents decided to start going to school board meetings to fight back against radical policies that put quite frankly, their little girls in danger. Little girls and, and female students uh, in Loudoun County schools were in danger. And the reason was I mean, they were allowing biological males to go into restrooms, uh, female restrooms, uh, because of their trans identities, if you will. And a little girl was, was molested. Loudoun County school officials knew it. And you know what they did? Did they call the authorities? Did they call, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, for, for special action to be taken? No, they quietly swept it under the rug and just transferred the offending student to another school where that student molested another girl because he was allowed to have access, a biological male, to a girl's bathroom. Parents went very, very crazy about this. As you can imagine, the father of that girl was shouting at a school board meeting. They arrested him and took him off to jail. This is all, Patrick, about the time that the National School Board Association was colluding with the White House to sick the Department of Justice on these parents, saying these parents in Loudoun County and perhaps around the country are being too loud. They're being too intimidating uh, uh, to, the, to the school board members and to the staff and to the administration and so forth. And we want you to investigate them. And sure enough, the FBI came a calling. You start making too much noise at a school board meeting, we're going to start digging inside your life. We're going to be knocking on the door. The blue windbreakers are going to be there. And uh, obviously it was, you know, the intent was to scare the bejeebers out of all of the parents who were trying to find out what's going on at their schools. So that's the the backstory, Patrick. Now you yes. go ahead and tell us the update. That's right. That's right. This was the watershed event that really kind of stirred up the Department of Justice and the FBI and so on. And there were SWAT raids actually conducted against other parents in other states, like in Colorado, where 
you know, people were just, their lives were just turned upside down for no particular reason. Mm. And this is where it all started. Well, what happened in a school board meeting is, is most, well, many people will know, many of our listeners will know this. A school board has to pre-advertise their meetings when they have a public meeting. They have to announce it. Usually it says like two weeks before, sometimes 10 days. And they have to schedule everything out according to a time slot. So if they have certain time set aside for public comment, certain time set aside for reading reports and stuff like that. And the law normally says, and across the country is pretty consistent, normally says this is a statutory requirement of a school board. This is the way the law reads. This is the way you do it. Well, Loudoun County, when this meeting uh, adjourned, uh, decided, because the people were pretty upset, rightly so, they decided to call it an illegal assembly, which was illegal to do that. They can't call it an illegal assembly, but they did, didn't matter. They broke, they broke the law. And so they said, clear the room. You all have to go home, leave, you know, get out of here. You don't belong here anymore. And one, uh, at least one other courageous parent, there were actually two people arrested at that at this meeting. One other parent said, and he was there to speak. He said, I'm not leaving. You're breaking the law. You cannot call this an illegal assembly. This is a legal assembly by definition, by law, by state law, and by regulations, everything else. I'm not leaving. Well, the sheriff deputies came right and right, right and right over and said, you are under arrest and they drug him out too. And they charged him with trespassing in a public building, right? To, to I don't know clear, how that works. To be clear, yeah, to be clear, Patrick, he didn't throw any punches. No. He didn't smash anything. He didn't no. break. None of the other people threw punches, no. smashed things, vandalized or anything else. Because if they didn't do those things, one might call that a peaceable assembly. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that the words peaceable assembly are somewhere in that first amendment that we discuss so regularly. I think so. I thought, yeah, yeah, I really think so. No, there was no, nobody came to blows in this whole thing, which, which is a good thing. And fortunately the deputies didn't start throwing punches and whatever. It could have gotten ugly, but it didn't. Well, this man that was arrested for trespassing said, I will see you in court because you are wrong and I am right, I will see you in court, and I'll clean your clock. And you know what? The news just came out that he was cleared of all charges this last week. This is amazing. You're not going to hear this story on mainstream media for sure. My guess is, I don't think, I, I only saw it one place. But the fact is, it went to court. He pled his case. The judge said pointedly, the school board had no right to declare an illegal assembly. And this man was not guilty of trespassing. He was in a public meeting and he was 100% exonerated, even though it cost him time and money, I'm sure, to defend himself, which is out, kind of outrageous in itself. But this is an expression, Bob, of standing and delivering. This man said, I will not bend. I will stand on my First Amendment rights and not allow anybody to take them away from me because 
they're given by God in the first place, not by you folks. That's right. He stood up and he confronted them and he was cleared. He won. You know what? Here's an example. Again, he had the moral high ground from the very get-go. From the very beginning, he knew he had the moral high ground. He knew he was right. He said, you guys are not going to run over me. I refuse to succumb. If well, we had an award to give, we don't. But if we had an award to give for standing and delivering, this gentleman would be the recipient this week. Yeah, and you know, Patrick, um, it's one thing to have the moral high ground and to know it, but a lot of people have the moral high ground and they know it, but what they lack is the courage to do something yep. with it. Yes. And this is an example of courage. This yes. is exactly what it takes. And I want to quote him, John Tegas, the, uh, the dad here at, in Loudoun County <clears throat> who won this fight. And you're right, had to go through a lot of trauma and you know, I'm sure a lot of money. He had to get an attorney he had to, uh, to, to be able to defend himself in this, in this case. And here's what he said after it was over. Despite the victory, I have serious concerns about where we are as a country. We have been subverted by a darkness that is spilling out in rot at all levels and in both political parties. Nothing will change until we, the people, value conviction over comfort. Despite the many bad actors here in Loudoun, I'm most concerned about those who call themselves Christians. Many haven't lifted a finger or opened their mouths in protest to the depravity all around them. And so what I hear from him, like I just said, is, is what's a shame here is that people are all lip service, but most people don't have the courage to act, yes. to take yes. a situation and take the bull by the horns. 250 people signed up to speak at that, uh, at that school board meeting. And when they cleared the room, you know, 249 of them followed out like sheep. Only yeah. one of them had the courage to stand his ground, knowing he had the law on his side, the Constitution on his side, knowing that he had the, you know, the the moral high ground, like you said, and he was willing yeah. to stand for it. So, I, I you're right, it's heroic. Uh, I would give him an award if we had one too. You're 100 right, but his own celebratory mood is dampened by the fact that he stood alone and nobody else yes. is doing this. Yes, and I hope yes. for the sake of all of us that more and more people yes. will take that as an example and start and, you know, and follow his lead yes. and, and stand up and stand and deliver, right. as we say, uh, in their own communities. Right. One last observation on this story, and really it's related, it's not directly, but we know that fear is contagious. We've seen it during the whole COVID debacle. Fear is <clears throat> contagious. You don't, you just have to be standing next to somebody who's really scared of something and all of a sudden, you're going to be looking around and get, being scared of something, too, even if you don't know what it is. I learned this this week in a, in a very powerful way and a powerful message that I heard. Courage is also contagious. We've seen it I hope. in wartime conditions time and time again. Courage is also contagious, but it takes one, two, or 10, whatever people to stand up and demonstrate courage like this man did. And people will follow. This is, this is kind of, I don't want to call it a saving grace. This is, but you know, you know what I mean? This is kind of a, a principle that now that we see things like this happening, we can, I can be pretty sure that there are going to be people who follow suit with him with courage 
being contagious also. Well, not not to be cynical about this, Pat, but if they do, it's going to be because he won. Yes. Real courage would be yes. is what if he had lost? What if a radical judge would have said, nope, I side with the school. They cleared that place legitimately. It was an unruly mob uh, in, in their estimation, and I'm not about to overturn that. Uh, they decided it was not a peaceful place, so they, they they appropriately cleared the room. And he stood there and stood his ground, and everything happened, and, and he lost. Real courage would be who's got the guts to stand up anyway, seeing yeah. that somebody lost and had consequences yeah. for their yeah. for their courageous act. So mm -hmm. courage is contagious. I think when courage has been rewarded, not as often if if courage is uh, you know is 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 tamped down. Um, so my 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 reason for saying that is is let's not just wait until we see something, uh, you know, a victory, and then say okay, I'll emulate that. You got to look and see was he right? Even if he lost, was he right? And do I have the guts? to stand yes. up for what I believe in front of yes. my school board or my town council or whatever the issue might be. Do I have the guts to stand there knowing I might lose too? Right. Cause if you're willing to do that, that's courage. And that, right. that's what right. has to become contagious. Exactly. So. Well, our second update today is, oh my gosh, it's a blockbuster. So it's, it's a, it's just an amazing story. We reported on this once upon a time when the attorneys general, starting with Louisiana, sued the Biden administration over COVID policies. They had good cause to do that, they felt, and there was a couple of other attorneys general that joined with them in the lawsuit. They went before a judge who allowed them to go into the discovery phase, which means they could subpoena information and documents and, and have depositions, official depositions and stuff to become evidence before the court. And they did that. And so here they, you know, here they go. We've, they've been kind of silent. You know, we, we didn't know where it was going to go at the time. They've been silent for several weeks. All of a sudden, a headline appears, and these attorneys general are right smack dab in the middle of the story. And here's the headline to the story. It says, now there's proof the White House was behind Facebook's COVID-19 censorship. Boom. This is in this is absolutely proof positive evidence now that's in the court before the court that there was collusion between the White House and Facebook, just like there was with Twitter. We know thanks to Elon Musk releasing all the Twitter files that there was collusion directly between virtually every agency and administration. I think they were all calling yeah. them. Yeah. Every agency in the them. federal government from the DOJ to yeah. the white house itself, to the executive yeah. itself. They, um, they were all involved. And I, I'll tell you, it was a trickle down thing. You know, even our, our new uh, blue, very blue governor, Katie Hobbs, questionable. Even she jumped on the bandwagon trying to get Twitter to censor some of her opponents. Yeah. A state, a state, uh, you know, a person running for governor in the state, she jumped on the bandwagon and figured, hey, if they could do it, man, I'm going to get in there and do it too. I want, I, I want I, to shut somebody up. Yeah. I, I don't know if I see her as jumping on the bandwagon. I think she was one of the bandwagon leaders. These very, problem? very far yeah. left anti-free speech people do anything they can to silence their opponents and silence their critics in order to magnify and amplify uh, their own, their own voices. And, yes. you know, 
what we saw, Patrick, um, six months ago, eight months ago, whatever it was, in a congressional committee, I think it was a Senate committee, Mark Zuckerberg admitted that he was told by Facebook that the Hunter Biden laptop was about to be released. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, we think that's Russian disinformation. We'd appreciate it if you'd kill that. This came from the FBI. Yes. And so that was what, you know, he testified that again, that was under oath that the FBI, meaning the federal government, um, likely following the orders of the executive branch itself, you know, the Biden administration and the Oval Office uh, literally told them uh, the Facebook uh, uh, moderators or whatever to tamp yes. down that story. So yes. now we pick it up with this one. It makes this one so much easier to believe. And now we actually, as you say, we have yes. an email. This is the most damning evidence yet. And I'll read this briefly from the coverage. The revelations came from a series of emails between Biden administration officials and Facebook employees tasked with liaising with the White House. One email from Andrew Slavitt, senior advisor to Biden's COVID-19 response coordinator, dated March 15, 2021, has the subject line, you are hiding the ball. Flaherty accuses Facebook of driving vaccine he uh, hesitancy. We are gravely concerned that your service is one of the top drivers of vaccine hesitancy, period, he wrote. We want to know that you're trying. We want to know how we can help, and we want to know that you're not playing a shell game. This would all be a lot easier if you would just be straight with us, end quote. The email then goes on to ominously warn, internally, we have been considering our options on what to do about it. So I, I, just to clarify that in layman's terms, the White House told Facebook moderators, you're not doing a good enough job of silencing those who don't want to uh, to take the jab mm -hmm. or those who are pushing information that may, might make others yeah. hesitant mm -hmm. to take the jab. And if you don't correct your course here, your actions, we're going to do something about it. We don't know what it is, but we're weighing our options on what we can do about it. So direct, not just collusion, Patrick, Pressure. with Facebook, Threats, pressure, Threats. coercion, right? They, this is coercive behavior on the part of the federal government, the Biden administration, forcing a private company like Facebook to, to uh, shut people down, close accounts, cancel accounts. I can't tell you how many times I was thrown in Facebook jail for posting stuff about the vax or the non-vaxes. I call them poison darts. The poison darts that they were throwing at everybody's arms. I would I was uh, uh, punished many, many times. And now we know it wasn't just because Facebook is, is a fascist book, but because they didn't have a choice, the Biden administration was forcing them. Yes, indeed. We should remember too, during the 20, late 20 um, and 2021, the line that uh, the, the government was putting out about social media, because a lot of people are complaining about being banned and shadow banned and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. They were pointing the finger and saying, well, you know, it's those, it's those social media companies that are doing this and we have no control over them basically. And they said they're private companies. And they can do whatever they want to do. They're, you know, you can't you can't pin the, the 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 free speech violation on them because they're just doing their private company thing. That was a, that was the party line. All the while, the government was telling us propaganda wise, telling us that they were just innocent parties sitting. But you know, we all hey, our hands are clean. We can't do anything about it. We can't touch these people. 
They're private companies. While they were doing that, Bob, behind the scenes, behind a closed door, they were guiltier than sin yep. practicing the very censorship that they said they were not doing. <clears throat> this is incredible. This is just gross deception of the greatest magnitude that I can imagine. Total deception. Now they've been busted. That's all I can say. They've been busted completely. Facebook, Twitter. We know also that there's some others that have been involved and those investigations are going to come out. <clears throat> this ought to segue into our last little thing here to talk about what's going on in Congress right now in the House, Yep. especially with Jim Jordan. Representative Jim Jordan is a great story. You want to fill us in on that? Well, this is, yeah, this is the other uh, positive we've talked about. The Loudoun County story was certainly a positive and a victory for a citizen. And now this is just at least going to give us an opportunity to try to find out and hold accountable who is behind all of these other things we're talking about, where the government got in with, uh, uh, you know, the tech companies, uh, they're uh, partnering with big pharmaceutical companies and other things. Um one might call it the weaponization of the federal government against the people. Well, yes. Jim Jordan, who is the new chair after, since the Republicans took the majority in the House, Jim Jordan is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and now he has proposed and has voted upon and been granted the creation of a Judiciary Subcommittee. It's called the Weaponization Committee. More specifically, the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Federal Government. He is going to chair that subcommittee in addition to chairing the, um, you know, the entire Judiciary Committee. And Patrick, this is so important for people who believe in free speech. And you don't have to believe me. Take it from the mouth of the, uh, the uh, chairman himself. I talk to Jim Jordan on a weekly basis. He's on my radio program. I'm always at the forefront of what he's working on. Obviously, his hands were you know, somewhat tied when you were in the minority over the course of the last four years. But uh, he's now in the majority, and we've, we've talked about this. And he is going to, with the full subpoena power that the chair of the committee has and the subcommittee, he is going to investigate all of the weaponization of the FBI against the parents you and I talked about. He is going to uh, to investigate uh, the Department of, or excuse me, uh, the Biden administration and their collusion with uh, uh, with the big tech companies to silence the voices of Americans. Now, this committee is being formed with full opposition from the minority party, the Democrats. They're calling it a ploy. They're calling it a political ploy. And Jim Jordan responded to that, to that Patrick, by saying, you know, there was a time when both parties in this country believed in and supported free speech. And he quoted the First Amendment. He said, there are five protections and all five protections, freedom of religion, freedom to speak, freedom to assemble, freedom of the press, and the freedom to petition the government. Every single one of those used to be supported by both parties. And now one party is, is covering for the fact that all five of those protections in the First Amendment have been taken away and violated in some capacity from the American people in the last just two years. And it's their job to investigate it, why and how it happened, to make sure that it does not happen anymore. So this is a huge, you haven't done anything yet, don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing a parade yet, a victory parade. But it's a huge opportunity to find out that finally somebody in Congress is listening to it. You and I and tens of thousands of CFFS members all across yes. this country have been fighting for, and that is to stop the government from infringing upon every one of those First Amendment protections. 
Yeah, that's not too much to ask, I don't think, you know. Shouldn't be. If the government really, I mean, this this is the cry of most people's heart. Just leave us alone, let us live our life, and let us get on with public discourse, whatever that might be for us, and just stay out of it. That's all anybody wants. You know, the the, the fearful the fearful statement when somebody shows up at your door and says, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. You know, it's like, you know, shut the door quick. They're not here to yeah. help you. Well, we've been fighting this stuff for, for so long now. And all of a sudden, as I said at the beginning of this uh, particular episode, I feel the wind all of a sudden is shifting to our back rather than in our face. I mean, I would rather have, even if, even if there's still freezing rain, I'd rather have it in the back of my face, back of my head than in my face. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I don't think that's the case, but you know, you see people, champions like Jim Jordan standing up fighting vocally for free speech. We need to support this man. We need to watch him carefully to see what comes out of this. I cannot imagine that evidence will not come be, be forthcoming on this. But we need to watch what happens with this. He's a man of courage who's standing up, bucking the system. He's going to have every foul person in Congress we know fighting him tooth and nail to oh, shut yeah. up, to sit down, give up. You can't win. We're going to do this to you. We're going to do that to you. We're going to threaten you. You know, we're going to take you They're out. They're going to attack his character. They're going to attack yes. everybody. It's a, it's a nine, it's a 15 member committee, nine Republicans sharing Jordan's party and six Democrats. And yes, the full weight of the Democrat party is going to be there to discredit each and every one of them, character assassination, defamation, everything that they can to take attention away from the facts that they're going to expose by way of this subcommittee. If they can get the attention on the individuals, yes. find a way to find something wrong with them. Uh, then they'll be able to take the attention away from the crimes. And you know what? That's courage. You talked about it before. Yes. It takes courage to say, we know that rather than just sitting here and kind of going along and doing our jobs and casting our congressional votes, if we're here to rock the boat of those who are trying so hard at the federal level to impose their will upon the people and strip them of their First Amendment rights, yes. we know it could cost us, per cost us personally, and we're willing to do it anyway. That's courage. Yes, indeed. And here's here's the question as we kind of wrap this up. If you're listening to this particular episode number 50 and you are not yet a member of Citizens for Free Speech, I encourage you to go to citizensforfreespeech.org and put your name on the line. It doesn't cost you a nickel. In fact, we have one generous donor who has set aside a certain amount of money to send our new members a welcome kit, complimentary, to get you started to find out what you can do in your local community. This, this is gonna be an amazing thing. We're, we're excited about it. This is a pay it forward type of a thing, but it doesn't cost you anything to join. You just need to have a little courage, perhaps, you know, be stimulated by what we're saying. We need to get, we need to get down to business with this stuff, folks, across our country. All this rot needs to be exposed to the light of day. And only America, only the people in America can do it. People of courage, people that know that the government has no business interfering with matters of free speech, the First Amendment, for that matter, any of the Bill of Rights, any of them. They're trashing those things right now, but we need to resist this and stand up and set things right again. And only we can do that, unfortunately. And I would remind you, even though Representative Jim Jordan is a representative, a congressman, 
He's just a person. He's just a person like you and I who said, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to go do something for my country. And he decided, well, I'm going to go be, I'll, I'll be a congressman. It's not cut out for everybody, but he said, that's what I'm going to do. Everybody has their place in this battle. That's my point, Bob. Yep. Everybody has their point. We need you at Citizens for Free Speech. Find we your are place. a nation of defenders. Find your place you. at citizensforfreespeech.org and claim one of those welcome kits, if you will, those starter packs on how to be a, a free speech advocate. And you can do that, uh, you know, and, 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 and be a part of it thanks to the generous donor. And we, by the way, to existing members, we continue to need donations. We are member-supported yes. top to bottom. And uh, if we're going to be able to continue this fight, we're going to need the, the resources to do so. So we want you to uh, be a part of it. Uh, if you are a member, consider do donating, donating to us. If you're not yet a member, claim Claim one of those starter kits so that you can become an active member and share it with others. Go to citizensforfreespeech.org or you can also stand here and text BFFS 313131 of a member today. We'll see you on episode 51 of Stand and Deliver. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>